Welcome to From the Den Podcast, providing Bears and NFL fans alike with compelling news, discussion, and debate. I'm your co-host, Benjamin, joined alongside my dear friend and co-host, Orin. Hey, Benjamin, let's get right into it. As always, kickoff starts now. Welcome to episode 23 of From the Den, where today we're going to be discussing the Bears record. And I think this is going to be a really interesting episode because there's so many ways to go with this. And even though I do have one opinion, I think that we can both argue one way or another, and I can't wait to see what happens. Well, yeah, if I'm being completely honest, I think that I really try to always be my most genuine self on this podcast. And Orin and I, you know, the thing that we like to discuss most as two Bears fans and the thing that led us to make this podcast in the first place is we'd have these extensive arguments about the Bears. And that's what led me to say, hey, Orin, let's go make a Bears podcast if we can talk so long and have these arguments. Why don't we make a Bears podcast? So now I'm just super excited for the episode where we can finally go over the Bears record. We can have these great discussions. And to be honest, I feel like I can be my most genuine self in this episode because, you know, I, I like I was saying, we've been talking throughout this week and I've, said, I've been saying, let's save it for the podcast because we really are just two dudes talking about the Bears. And I don't know, I'm just very excited for these record predictions. Um so to start this episode, we're going to be going over the Bears' 53-man roster and then the um, quarterback uh, competition results. Then we'll go to the record, and then we'll get into some good debates. But just first, we want to get uh, just establish some things on the Bears out of the way, and then we can get into some other things, if that makes sense. So starting with the Bears' 53-man roster, Oren, would you like to give the rundown? Sure. So I don't have the exact list on me, but I think I, we're just going to go out of the way. There weren't that many surprise, surprises except for Kevin Tolliver, which really shocked me because I thought he was going to start. Last mm-hmm. year, he came in when Prince Umukumar was hurt and played pretty good football. He did, and I'm very surprised. And what I, I did learn after is that he had a bit of a character issue. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, now they're starting Jalen Johnson and cornerback too, who even though I think has an immense amount of potential and could come out and be great, I think if he does play poorly, that's a that's a weak spot. And I'm not saying that I that they they don't have a solution for it because I could think of one right now. But I think that they bet very much on Jalen Johnson, which is interesting because he's been he's been a bit hurt this offseason, just recovering from shoulder surgery, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, so that was a surprise. They released Jesper Horstead, but I mean... A tight end, yeah. Yeah, so they were going to have to release one of their 20,000 tight ends. Um, yeah. And they re- released Ladarius Mack, which makes all of us sad. But honestly, I think that they that they signed Ladarius Mack out of respect to Khalil Mack. I, don't I mean, know. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but whatever. I mean, they, they did. They released him, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, they cut it down to five tight ends after all of the rest of the NFL kind of trolling them. Uh, they cut it down to five tight ends, Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, J.P. Holtz, Cole Komet, and Eric Salbert. Uh, I assume that Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham will be the two uh, yeah, leading so, guys, at least in the receiving department. So they did come out with a, with a depth chart, and they had, they had Jimmy Graham as the one and Cole Komet as the two. I think that's fair. You want to put the uh, veteran at one for now. But I heard this, and I thought it was very interesting, is that – Tariq Cohen, I know this is very unrelated and I could be watching this, but having two tight end sets means that either both your safeties are going to be guarding the, the, the tight ends or a safety and a linebacker is going to be guarding the tight end. And if you have two tight ends and Tariq Cohen in, Tariq Cohen's going to have a, a mismatch. I read this somewhere and I thought it was interesting that they said that usually with two tight end sets, 
if you have a speedy running back, that's a huge advantage for him. And I'm really, I never thought about that. And I think that's really interesting considering that putting Tariq Cohen in a position to have a mismatch is pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm going to save all my rebuts for later because, again, I don't want to get in a situation where we're just bickering about little details. So when we get on to more of the generalities about the Bears' entire season, I'll pick apart all of Oren's arguments. <laughs> now I'm just kidding around. Um, so for anything more significant, I'll just go over everything. Um, we'll get to the quarterback competition. Right now, uh, David Montgomery's injury status is questionable. He uh, might get... Good news is that he practiced yesterday. Oh, that's great. That's great. But still... Um, a problem is that they don't really have an RB2. Uh, Tariq Cohen is a gadget player, and I, I like him, but he's not like really a workhorse back. So right now they've got Ryan Nell, who's a guy Oren and I both like. And I'm actually very excited to see how the Bears utilize Cordero Patterson. He'll be a great gadget player. But again, Cohen and Cordero Patterson are not workhorse backs at all. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if Dave Montgomery does go down or just they, they really don't have um, – a significant other workhorse back as for the receivers um they didn't cut anyone significant which actually makes me happy that Javon Wims and uh Riley Ridley are still getting opportunities I think Javon Wims is a guy a few years down the line maybe he could contribute um yeah and that's it for uh the significant things that happened in the 53-man roster oh also Deshaun Gibson is the starting safety two over Deion Bush I'm happy with that. The only argument you can make for Deion Bush is that he compliments Eddie Jackson more because Deion Bush is more of a box in the box player, which lets Eddie Jackson roam. But Tashawn Gibson is a way more skilled player. He had a fairly solid season last year, three interceptions. He, uh, he had a good amount of tackles and he played strong safety and he would pretty much, he, I looked up the stats because I was curious. I was actually turned on NFL network and I saw the Texans chiefs game. And I said, I saw the whole game. Um, Sean Gibson was guarding Travis Kelsey and he, he stopped to, he stopped Travis Kelsey. He only had four receptions for 60 yards. Yeah. I mean, that's a small sample size. Of course, you're not going to look at all of Tashawn Gibson's games, but exactly. Uh, I just, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on now to the bears quarterback competition where most of the NFL and especially bears fans, I assume know by now that Mitchell Trubisky has been named the starter for week one against the lions. There are some questions that remain, I assume, and the way that the Chicago Tribune phrased this is his name on top of the roster sheet in permanent marker or in pencil. And I assume that it's in pencil. I mean, just bringing in Nick Foles in the first place shows that they have the Bears organization has some lack of faith in Trubisky. So I think he might be on a short leash, but I also I saw uh, Matt Nagy was quoted about you know, he doesn't want to focus on what happens if Trubisky does badly, because of course that's a terrible attitude for your team and you're going to want to have faith in whatever guy you're starting. So uh, what do you think the implications are of Mitchell Trubisky starting and was that the right decision? So I'm going to first get into what, what I think is interesting. Well, not interesting, but mm-hmm. I, Mitchell Trubisky did say that he won the competition, but he doesn't know what it's going to look like in three weeks. I'm, I'm misquoting him, but that's the same idea that he said. And he knows that if he if he takes a, a few bad steps, he's out of there. He he needs to play good games. And I'm not saying that that's a good or a bad thing, but I'm just saying is that it's clear to him that it's not in permanent marker. It's very much in pencil. Yeah, and I think that um, I was looking at stuff and I saw that uh, Trubisky's actually having a very good attitude. That's what the media is saying. And he's been quoting and he actually seems – you know, at the end of last season, he was very lacking confidence and he seems to recover well. Now, am I saying that that'll transform to, 
that that'll mean good play. No, but again, we'll get to that. I'm saving all the good stuff for the end of the episode for now. Exactly. And what I want to say is that I'm happy they started Trubisky because I'm going to give you two scenarios. One scenario is you well, start- Yeah, we, we went over this in great length in our quarterback one episode, quarterback part two episode, and with special guest Da Windy City Productions, we did a third episode. But yeah, I know what you're going to say. You can- Yeah, so I'll just say it. Um, in the scenario one where you start Trubisky, either Trubisky plays great and plays all 16 games, Trubisky doesn't play well and you put in Foles, but Foles can come in and still play well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Foles is a career backup, and uh, he's been having a great attitude, according to reports. Foles called Trubisky uh, right after Trubisky got the starting job. I think they're both class acts, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't know about talent, but I, I think they're good guys, to say the yeah, least. Yeah, and um, well, I mean, good guys, I mean, it doesn't hurt, but I don't think it really translates that much to the field. But No, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, but still um, – Trubisky, if you start Foles, then Trubisky's done. And if Foles doesn't play well, last year Foles went to Jacksonville, he didn't have a great year, regardless of coaching, regardless of injury, regardless of, of, of just the team around him. He didn't have a great year. And if I were the Bears, I would try to start Trubisky because you can always put Foles in, but the second you start Foles, Trubisky is done. Mm-hmm. And Trubisky, exactly. Trubisky from reports has looked better this offseason. He's been working on his mechanics. Well, okay, I don't know about that. Again, I'm really, I keep getting into how I'm hesitating. I guess I can get into it now a little bit. Anyway, I wasn't like Trubisky, everyone, every quarterback ever. And if you're, I, my, my idea is that if you're so immersed in the culture of any specific team, then you'll come out of the training camp believing that every player on that team is, is amazing, or at least has greatly improved. But of course, every player is going to improve every season. And uh, from what I've been hearing from these training camp reports, neither quarterback really stood out and it was a very close competition. So I don't know if it's like, it's not like Mitchell Trubisky was wowing the reporters. All the reporters were kind of neutral and they were saying it was split, kind of split between them. So that doesn't give me, you know, absolute faith in Trubisky that he suddenly took a large leap up, even if he did approve, improve his mechanics a little bit, because I was hearing the same reports uh, in the 29 before the 2019 season and how did that work out no yeah I agree and I, what I'm saying is that you can't take reports as something big and it's something is something incredibly important but the fact is is that Trubisky is going to get one last shot because not only is it better for the franchise if Trubisky plays well but it's just better for everyone everyone wants Trubisky to succeed because it's better for the franchise if he succeeds well, if Trubisky yeah. succeeds then he's their quarterback for the future. Yeah. Oh, and also uh, a risk that I could get into is that, you know, I, I was seeing some people saying that it's worse if there's one quarterback that emerges as kind of a flash in the pan where his stats are like seem better because he's surrounded by good weapons and a good defense. That could be a worse situation for the Bears than if they just totally tank. If the Bears totally tanked, then they can start fresh with a new quarterback. But if, let's say, Mitchell Trubisky has a flash in a pen, the Bears finish 9-7, and seven, and then they give him some extension or something, and he plays badly the next year, then they're kind of stuck with him. So it might be better for the Bears just to tank than have some mediocre season where uh, it appears that the quarterback is performing well when in actuality um, it's just the defense that is upping his stats. Yeah, and all I'm going to say is, is that I think that Trubisky, all he needs to do is be a game manager, no more, no less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though in 2018 he wasn't a game manager, I'm not saying he was better or worse than a game manager, but the Bears, all they need is a game manager. Yeah, that is true. Someone, 
And I think that Nick Foles is that game manager. But Trubisky's ceiling is higher than Foles, and Trubisky's floor is lower than Foles. Trubisky is way more up and down. And if Trubisky plays poorly, then you take him out. But if Trubisky plays well, you get to keep him in. It's kind of a win-win. He will he'll he'll barely reaches he'll barely reaches floor. And if he reaches his ceiling, he can stay in. But if Foles reaches his floor, you have to keep him. Foles reaches his ceiling, then great. But it's yeah, a- yeah, that's the predicament that you were covering. Okay, okay. Um, if you've got nothing else to say, we can move on now to um our record predictions. And the way this will work, Oren will go over his record predictions. I'll go over mine, or vice versa. Uh, we'll say what record we think the Bears will be, and then we'll have a long discussion. We think that it'll work better that way. Yeah. All right. So I think we'll let's just go week by week. I have the Bears losing to the Lions week one. The Bears. Okay. okay. You know what? Let me. I just have a message. Sorry. I have kind of a, a pre whatever to say here. So I, I we're both doing it on this website and. Uh, by the time that I did every other, like I wasn't really focusing on the Bears record when I was making all these other picks. And now if I adjust any of my picks, it'll be just statistically incorrect and it won't, whatever record I have the Bears going, whatever new record I have for the Bears just won't match up. My other predictions, your other predictions. Yeah, won't match up with my other prediction. So with that said, I'm going to be relaying the games that I have here on the sheet, but that's not, that doesn't mean that I truly believe it. And I might express some more negative feelings uh, after we finish it. Just as a, so my, my thoughts have changed since a week ago or two weeks ago when I was starting this a little bit. So I have the Bears losing week one to the Lions. Matthew Stafford has played well week one. The Lions were actually very good last year. If you forget, they almost beat the Chiefs until Stafford got hurt. They have a better team than last year. And I think they're going to come out really strong. The Bears, I'm not, I think Montgomery will play, but Montgomery, if he doesn't play, then they're in a real bad situation. And even though Trubisky does plays incredibly well against the Lions, nine touchdowns, one interception, and 114 passer rating, I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with the Lions who play very well week one while the Bears usually play poorly. And I get that it's only a two-year sample size, but that's the only sample size we have. So that's the reason why they have I have them losing week one, which is a bit of a an interesting pick. Yeah, I mean, something to consider is it are we seeing some kind of a trend with Matt Nagy always losing week one, or is it more of a trend that Matt Nagy always just loses to the Packers? And in recent years, the Bears have lost to a pack to the Packers. I don't know the last time when they swept the when they've swept the Packers. Um, I also actually have Detroit beating Chicago in week one. I think Detroit's a very talented team, and last year they came out roaring or at least uh, no pun intended, or at least they got the tie. I think that they can, they are a team that starts off well and then sometimes disappoints in the later weeks and they are a talented roster. So I could see them getting the dub against the bears who still have to sort a lot of things out, especially since Trubisky is only has a week to prepare as a starting quarterback. Yeah. All right. So going on to week two, I have the bears winning against the New York giants. The giants aren't a very good team. I mean, you can make the argument that Daniel Jones is primed for a breakout season. But I think that if Daniel Jones does play very well, it'll take him a few weeks to develop, especially with the new coach and all of that. And I think that the Bears playing them week two is even better, of a, more of an advantage because Daniel Jones is his second game. He's playing a great defense. Also, the Bears don't need to do much. The Giants have a fairly bad defense. The Bears, all they need to do, I think Montgomery will play that game. All they need to do is run the ball and just play complimentary football and they'll win by a solid amount. 
Um, yeah, you know, honestly, the Bears have sometimes struggled against the Giants. I'm just thinking about in 2018, what a terrible loss that was. But that's well, they, two they, years. They chased Daniels and he had a bad. I game. know, but it was still a bad loss. That was that was two years ago, anyway. But um, I mean, they made a valiant comeback, whatever. So I think that sometimes, and especially just the Bears, always lose a few games to bad teams. And this might be the Giants might be one of those teams. The Bears have played the Giants a lot in past years, but realistically, I just don't see that happening. Um, Bears defense is great. I don't know if I trust this offense. I think it'll. I think the Bears will definitely win ugly this game. It'll be a gross game. It'll be. I think there'll be a lot of errors, but they'll get it done and win in a low-scoring game against the Giants. So All here, right. uh, I'll go for the Falcons now. Awesome. Uh, I had the Falcons beating the Bears. I know that you were very low on the Falcons, and I'm going to assume that you had the uh, Bears beating the Falcons. But uh, the Falcons are a team with a great offense and an experienced quarterback in Matt Ryan that I think can pick apart this defense. And um, although the Falcons' defense may be lacking this year, the Bears' offense isn't good enough to kind of exploit that to the point where it make up makes up for – uh, I think the Bears defense will hold the Falcons to less points than they usually acquire, but still, I don't trust the Bears offense in this game. I see the Falcons stealing a game. So the Falcons have a very bad defense, and I think that the Bears offense this year will be better than the Falcons defense. All right, at the end of the year, and I'm not, I'm not saying the Bears defense is going to be the best in the NFL or even top 10, mm-hmm. but the Falcons defense is... But I, those comparisons don't always work out when you say, oh, the Bears offense is better than the Falcons defense. Oh, this... Oh, yeah, because there, there, there are different factors that go into it. But I think the Bears defense will be able to play very well against Matt Ryan and will be able to stop the run, making the, the Falcons one-dimensional. Todd Gurley will be will not really be able to run anywhere. The last time the Bears played Todd Gurley, they stopped him like very they really really shut him down. And the Bears' offense, like I said again, they're going to win sloppy. They're not going to win an amazing game. They're not going to play amazing. But I mean, they're going to win by a, by a little bit and come out on top. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, you can go on to the Colts. I actually have the Colts winning this game. The Colts are a fairly good team, and the Colts, I think, have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And I see the Colts being able to slow down the Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and Akeem Hicks, which I think in turn kind of puts the Bears in a situation where they've never been because there are very few offensive lines that can slow all three of them down. I think this is one of the few of them. And I think that without the Bears' defense being as dominant, even though the Colts' defense isn't amazing, I still would take the Colts defense over the Bears offense. And I think that the Bears are going to really show some of their flaws in this game. I think they're going to lose. Shoot. This is such a problem because I swear I have, I'm looking at the Bears record and I think I have them at one game higher than I had them initially, but I can't tell where I pressed off. But I had the Bears over the Colts, I guess. Um, Colts are a very mediocre team. And I think that the Bears can thrive against that. It's almost like I'm reminiscing against um bears broncos last year i don't know why that this i predict that colts bears will be like that i understand where you're coming from saying that the colts can get the upset or it wouldn't be an upset get the win uh experienced quarterback good offensive line but i think that the bears offense could have a um could have itself a good game uh I, i don't know why i just see them having a good game here and the bears defense again even when they're stopped they're only slowed um, and I don't think that this Colts offense is super explosive. 
when the Bears win, the Bears win ugly, and I don't think it'll be any different for this game, but I still have them winning against the Colts. All right, and I have the Bears beating the Buccaneers, and I have them beating them by a solid amount. The Bears always around week three, four, and now I think this year five, always break out offensively from the Bucs game. Was week five last year? We, it was week three against the Redskins, and they had a – I'm not going to say they broke out against the Vikings, but they had a fairly solid game. They played very – very co- good complimentary offense, which is probably one of their third or fourth best game mm-hmm. last year. But they usually around break out and finally find their identity around then. And I'm not saying they're going to keep that identity, but they find it right around then. And I think that the Bears are going to be able to slow down Tom Brady. I don't. The Buccaneers don't have a great offensive line. And I think that if the Bears are able to – I think the Bears are going to be extra motivated. The Bears always have a few games a year where they really upset a team and I really think that this could be the game. I see them winning by a good amount. Yeah, I actually also see that uh, surprise. Um, so for now, it's been boring, but I understand what you're saying. Definitely, it is Tom Brady, so that might just detract a little bit just because, you know, you never know with him. He's such a great quarterback. But um, I see the Bears getting the win here just because I think this the – Tampa Bay really thrives, or I anticipate them thriving off of all their offensive weapons, and the Bears' defense might be able to shut down uh, Tampa Bay. And I could also see the Bears' defense getting putting some points on the board or at least putting the Bears' offense in a position to gain points. So that's why I see this upset occurring. All right, so on to week six against the Panthers. I have the Bears winning, but I will say this. I would not be surprised if they lose. The Bears have stupid games where they lose, and yeah, that, does, that does typically happen again after they have a big game where they win. Against the okay, win they- Orin, can I say something? Sure. And this is – I'll get to this later. You are saying typically and all that, it's been two years. It is not nearly enough time to make all these assumptions, especially because one year was so different from the, the year before. It's not like the 8-8 two, the eight and eight season and the 12-4 and four season – were exactly the same. You're saying typically, I think that's kind of ridiculous. It's been two years. The Bears typically, like, it's not like it's 20 year span of, I don't know, it's it's a year later. I think that's a little bit ridiculous to say. Fine. The Bears have, the Bears in the past two years have lost stupid games. And coincidentally, it has happened after they beat good teams. And I think that that could happen here, but I think that the Bears are going to pull out we're going to have a really sloppy offensive day. I really don't think that the Bears' defense is going to be lacking that much. But I think I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a very good game. And the Bears are going to be really surprised by them. And the Bears are going to come out and win this game by very little. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Again, got the Bears over the Carolina Panthers. And don't have too much to say about it in particular. The Panthers are the worst team. But Bears always find a way to mess up at least a few games. Yeah. Um. Next on to the Los Angeles Rams, I actually have the Bears over the Rams. This is the third game of their series, I guess you could say, and I think the Bears want some vengeance this time. Uh, They really collapsed on all ends in that Rams game. That was during one of the worst stretches of that 8-8 and season last year, and still they remained close. I think the Rams are always a tough matchup for the Bears, and I could see the Bears definitely putting some defensive points on the board here, like I said, for Tampa Bay shutting down the Rams, maybe not as dominantly as they did uh, in 2018, but I could see them pulling out the win. Yeah, I have the Bears winning against the Rams also. I think that the Rams, I I do like the Rams, but I think that the Bears just match up very well against the Rams. 
And when the Bears are able to stop the Rams' run game, the Rams are pretty complacent. They can't really do much. Last year, even though they did slow it down, they really didn't stop it. I think with Akeem Hicks back and Robert Quinn, it's going to make their their ability to stop the run even better. Mm-hmm. And I think that once they stop the run, their offense just becomes complacent. And then the Bears' offense has to do very little. Yeah, I mean, even in the game in 2018, Trubisky played pretty badly through three picks, but they still won it very ugly. Exactly. All right, on to week eight. I have the Saints beating the Bears. The Saints match up well against the Bears. The Saints are a great team. And the Saints really have no weaknesses. And even though I think that the Bears want vengeance against what happened last year, because I think that game was the was this straw that started breaking the Bears. The Bears were three and three. Mm-hmm. Not saying that's an amazing record, but after they lost that game, they went on a bad streak. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I think they were three and two, and then they lost that game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think New Orleans is a just way better and nearly every aspect. Uh, team than the Bears. I think they're just on a higher level than the Bears, uh, more disciplined. Uh, they just know how to beat them. I think it'll be a blowout if, if that. I think the Bears will, their offense will play badly. It'll be a very bad game. Um, moving on now to week nine, Tennessee Titans. I have a feeling that Oren's going to predict that the Bears beat the Titans because their run stops the Titans, but I love the Titans. I mean, love, it might be a little bit of an exaggeration. I've got them going nine and seven this year. Uh, I've got the Titans beating the Bears. I think their defense is underrated, and their offense will surprise people since by doing more than just uh, giving it to Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback who can get it done, and A.J. Brown is a budding receiver. If you want to hear more about the Titans, listen to the past episode. All right, so I have the Bears beating the Titans. Again, like you said, I'm not going to say that the Bears are going to stop Henry because not only I think the Bears' defense in the past two years – have had a hard time stopping big running backs, but they'll slow them down for sure because they're still a very good run-stopping defense, which will be even better this year. And I think Ryan Tannehill's success is because of Derrick Henry. I don't think Ryan Tannehill, with, I don't think without Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill would be even close to what he was last year. Well, I'm not going to debate about it, but that's just what I believe. And I think that the Bears will be able to win this game by a little. I don't think that this is going to be a huge blowout, but I think they'll win it by a bit. Okay, moving on now to week 10. I think Minnesota also gets their first win against Chicago in the Nagy era. Um, Minnesota, I did not have going being a great team this year. I had them at 8-8, eight and eight, I believe. Maybe I – I don't know. I had Minnesota beating Chicago. Um, I think they finally get their win. If Dalvin Cook is healthy, they can be a big problem. And last year, Minnesota seemed like they were chipping away at Chicago's dominance in that last game since their bench players almost beat the Bears starters. But of course, 2019 was a wild year, so you never know. I think that that game shouldn't even be considered as anything because not only were the Bears really not trying, it was also the Vikings backups. But okay, the Bears are playing the Vikings at home Monday night football. I don't think we should even talk about this. The Bears win. Kirk Cousins can't even throw a ball on Monday night. I don't know what it is. He's just terrible on Monday night. And I get that that's stupid to say, but under the under the bright lights, he plays very bad. The Bears' scheme perfectly fits fits to defend the Vikings. The Vikings' whole offense goes around Dalvin Cook, and the Bears always stop Dalvin Cook. And once Dalvin Cook is stopped, the Vikings have no offense. They have very bad cornerbacks, and they can easily be targeted. And I think that the Bears are going to be able to win this game. 
and it's going to be a statement win, just like their statement win in Soldier Field was last year and two years ago. Okay, it's fair point. In week 11, I have the Bears bye week beating the Bears bye week. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay, week 12 after their Bears bye week, a refreshed Bears team. Even though I think a lot of times people come off the bye week and lay an egg, I think bye weeks are kind of overrated as some like rejuvenating power. Like if you're sucking, you're suddenly going to be good after the bye week. But anyway, Chicago gets the dub against Green Bay in the first match of two, second match, week 17. That should be exciting no matter what. Um, I don't know. I think that uh, Chicago has been splitting games with Green Bay. Are they, they split it in 2018. Um, I, I just see them pulling away with it, especially I'm not so, com- so confident in the Packers offense this year. All right. So I have, I have Green Bay winning this. Chicago doesn't play very well in Lambeau field. I think but it's not even, I don't even know if it'll make a difference now, especially because there won't be fans. Yeah, that's fair. But I think that, first of all, Aaron Rodgers plays way better in Lambeau Field. And I don't know if that's because of fans or not. We cannot even debate that because there's no evidence to prove yes or not. But I think that the Bears series will be split. I did spoil something, but the Bears will lose this game. And I think, I just don't think that they can beat Green Bay in, in Lambeau Field after a bye. Okay, week 13, I think the Bears get the win over Detroit. So I have them wait where's the other game against okay yeah so spoiler i have them splitting every game against the division uh, against a divisional opponent this year bears get the win as i said detroit likes to come out rolling and then decline i think at this point detroit will have will be a below 500 team unfortunately although they do have a lot of talent uh the bears uh i think the lions offense always finds a way to creep up on them late you know um they see the Bears seem like they could pull away, or sometimes you know they're always closer games than expected by by the fourth quarter. But Bears pull away with this game in a relatively high scoring game for the Bears offense. All right, again, I don't know who it, Trubisky or Foles will be starting by now, but mm-hmm. the Bears either Trubisky just plays very well against the Lions, or the Bears scheme well against the Lions. The Bears have had good games against the Lions, and I have them winning this game. Again, I think Detroit usually starts off the year very well and collapses towards around this point of the season. I think the Bears can take advantage of that collapse. And yeah, all right, on to week 14, I have the Bears beating the Texans. The Texans aren't the team that they were last year. And I just think that the Bears are going to be able to take advantage of that. And yeah. Yeah, I have the Texans over the Bears. Just another dud, kind of like the Titans. Um, again, the Bears have a lot of duds, and I think that the Titans have enough star power and um, experience in Deshaun Watson that he's a guy who can tear apart their um, defense, although I did say that the Bears would be Tampa Bay. Uh, I could see that offense causing some problems for Chicago, and again, you never know the week that the Bears are going to lay an egg on the offensive side, so this could be that week, and I think it will be. Uh, the Houston's defense is not terrible. It's getting underrated even though they have had losses of a lot of players so that's why i've got houston getting the win on to week 15 like i said um minnesota is splitting the divisional games with chicago i've got chicago over minnesota in this game for basically all the reasons that you listed for why you had um chicago over minnesota in week 10 i think they match up well and maybe i should have switched it looking that it was at monday night admittedly i didn't see that but um I think that Chicago gets a win. They do scheme well, and they get a nice clutch win. All right. I think, finally, Minnesota will win this. Oh, wow. I know. 
I think that the Bears are going to come out, and I think that the Bears' offense is going to play very poorly. I think that they're going to come out with high expectations. I mean, low expectations of what to expect after I think they're going to beat the Vikings by a good amount in week in week 10. And I think that the Vikings are just going to creep up on them and win this game. Okay. Uh, moving on to Jacksonville. They could always lay an egg, but they seem like the worst team in football. The bears get the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Enough said. I can't argue with that. <laughs> okay. Week 17. And then we can get into the juicy stuff. And like I was saying, before I say my final record, I've got to be honest. I wish I put the bears at lower and we'll get into that, but there's nothing I can change. So I'm going to make an argument for why I think the bears will be lower. Um, And I'm not just trying to, you know, of course it's might be more entertaining for you guys if I contradict Oren, but upon mulling it over, um, like I, like I said, before we started this record prediction, um, I really have less faith in the bears now and we'll get into that. I'm kind of giving a sneak peek before I say week 17. Um, so that's why my record might not reflect exactly my thoughts, and I apologize for that. But week 17, Green Bay gets the win over Chicago. They split the games. Um, I don't think the home matters that much, so that's why I have them being at different fields, like Green Bay winning away, both of them winning away. So I actually have them finishing 10-6. and six. But like I've said now two times, this is the third time. I don't really believe that. So once we start arguing about what our record, you can argue for the record that you believe they will have. Yeah, I, I got it. I got it. I think the Bears win this game. Honestly, I could see it going either way. Either the Bears really prove. I have the Bears and Packers. I have the Packers going 10 and 6 and the Bears going 11 and 5. So this game decides who gets into the playoffs because wow. the Packers are the eight seed. I think that the Bears are going to prove that their defense is great. I think that their quarterback is going to come into the clutch and play very well. And I think that I could see, I could also see Aaron Rodgers coming and throwing like a 99 yard Hail Mary on the last play, getting like tipped up in the air, like going like everywhere and catching it. But I think that the Bears defense will come out and really prove that I really prove their worth. So what's your final record for the Bears? Mine is 11 and five. Okay. Yeah. On to why. Okay. I'll pose you this question unless who should answer it first. So Oren, why do you think in just a few sentences for now, why do you think the bears will be successful this season? Well, they have an improved offense in almost every aspect. They have an improved defense in most aspects. So, I mean, improved offense and defense. Special teams stayed the same, or you can argue it got better just because Eddie Pinheiro is one year older. It doesn't matter. Or Cordero Patterson is better. I don't know. Whatever, it's the same. And the Bears are not going to go lower than 8-8 eight eight because that's what they went last year. If everything improved, and I think it improved a solid amount, then I really think that they will be better. Also, the way that they changed a lot of things coaching-wise, and a lot of their players are incredibly motivated. All right. Okay. So why do I think the Bears will be bad this season? And well, what's your record? Give give a record. I don't have an exact record, to be honest, which is kind of bad, but I'll say eight and eight, seven and nine. Okay. Um, when we started this, our very first episode was about what happened in 2019. And at that point, we were both we had both reached a kind of consensus that the bears will definitely improve in 2020 because they improved at every position. Um, but after having a lot of thought over these past few months, I've came to realize what reason is there for us to believe as bears fans that 
the 2018 season was the true Bears team and not the 2019 season. What I mean by that is there's only been one good season with Coach Matt Nagy, and there's been one bad season with Coach Matt Nagy. We have no reason to believe as Bears fans that they'll suddenly revert uh, and be more like the team that they were in 2018 than the team that they were like in 2019. And I think that there are, you could say that they improved every aspect of their team, but I'm not totally on board with that. First of all, I think bringing in Foles was a good move, but it could just cause even more uh, controversy. And I still don't have a lot of faith in this quarterback position. Um, As for the offensive line, I don't know that they're suddenly going to revert to their 2018 form. And before that, there's, I don't have that much reason to believe it. Um, This defense I think will be solid, but just like I was saying, and I'm repeating myself that I don't have total faith in Nagy. I don't have total faith in the offense um, that they will, that they will be better than they were last season. And that last season was the, odd season out and not two seasons ago, if you understand that. But so I can go position by position. Trubisky and Foles. Foles being brought in not only motivated Trubisky, you can hear from every single thing he said. He seems like a more poised quarterback, you admitted. He mm-hmm. worked so hard this offseason. I was watching this thing on NFL Network. Stacey Dale, she's like the reporter for, I think, the NFC North. She said that Trubisky said in an interview that one time someone said, this may not be your team. He started working as hard as he possibly could. The reports have been he's improved. Foles came in, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you don't think that Foles is better than Trubisky, I think that Foles is a game manager, and that's what the Bears need. Now, David Montgomery in the running oh, game. Oh, wait. Let me, just, let me just read you a quote, okay? Mm-hmm. This is uh, Mitchell Trubisky quoted upon being asked about – sorry, let me, let me pull up the quote real quick. It was somewhere in this paper. Um, So for some background, this is Mitchell Trubisky when being asked his thoughts about starting the regular season before week one. And I just want you to tell me what your thoughts on it, because like you were saying, Trubisky looks so great uh, and he seems so poised, right? Mm -hmm. So Mitchell Trubisky said, shoot, not, okay, I have to find it. Um, okay, Mitchell Trubisky said, we're all excited and it feels good. We're ready to roll. So what are your thoughts about that quote, Orin? I Don't think too hard. That we're ready to roll, that they're ready? He said, we all feel good. He basically said, we all feel good and we're ready to roll, right? Yes. You like that quote. He seems good. And there are reports have been doing well. That quote was before the 2019 season. Okay, so? My point is, I don't care about the quotes. It means nothing. Quotes, in my opinion, quotes in training camp. Okay, training camp doesn't mean nothing, but I, like I was saying, and I made this point earlier, it, Trubisky didn't suddenly emerge as a great quarterback. And before the 2019 season, we were hearing the same reports about Mitchell Trubisky improving his footwork, improving many aspects of his game. And that just didn't reflect. And I, I'm not hearing any reports about Mitchell Trubisky significantly improving. So I don't have a reason to believe he can talk all he wants, but that doesn't translate to the game. And until I see him perform well, I'm rooting for him until I see him perform. I don't have a reason to believe that he's going to do well. Improved tight end position. Matt Nagy's offense relies completely on the tight end position. Mitchell Trubisky, when I, whenever I think whenever a tight end, sorry, let me pull up the stat. I know you want to argue against this, but whatever. Um, sorry, wait one second. 
Mitchell Trubisky has a passer rating of 112 in games where a tight end goes for 40 plus yards. Yeah, you're totally misinterpreting that quote. I tried to explain this to you earlier when we were having a discussion and I was saying save it for the podcast. Wait, just listen. This is what I was trying to explain. I think that that stat can be misleading because it's like saying um, all the wide receivers, when all the wide receivers do better, Mitchell Trubisky does well. Wow, that's crazy. No, what it's saying is that when the Bears do better, when Trubisky does well, the tight ends do well. It just means when the Bears offense is rolling, when Trubisky is having a good game, then the tight ends do well. But the cause is Trubisky. The cause are not the tight ends. If that okay. makes sense. Well, then I will say one thing. All right, you can argue that, but you can also argue that whenever the tight ends get open and receive the ball for more than 40 yards, Trubisky has a better game. You can no, argue. But what I'm saying is Trubisky is the one making the throws. So in the games where Trubisky is on it, in the games where Trubisky is locked in and making good throws, tight ends are more likely to have 40 yards and Mitchell Trubisky is more likely to have a 112 passer rating or whatever. Yeah, but you can that say- That makes sense. Games, games where tight ends run good routes and catch good balls, Mitchell Trubisky is more likely to have a higher passer rating. And the tight ends are more likely to have more yards. I just think it's the other way around. I think that I mean, the, it can, it's literally, literally the same thing. But whenever – okay, last year the Bears wide tight ends got no – barely any receiving yards. You look at all Matt Nagy offenses, Kansas City has Travis Kelsey. Philadelphia has um, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, right? Mm-hmm. They need good offenses to have good so – they need good tight ends to have good offenses, okay? Mm-hmm. The Bears got Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham, who have both been having – from reports who have both been doing incredibly well, and people have been raving about them. I get it's training camp, but I think that I've heard, um, I mean, very good things from them, right? Improved tight end position, that helps Trubisky, and you can't argue that it hurts him, right? No, yeah. Anthony Miller has been working incredibly hard. Allen Robinson can stay the same. I really don't care. I don't, I don't like the thing that you say they've been working incredibly hard, I think. I, is it true that only Bears players have been working incredibly hard over the offseason? Anthony Miller is the only wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, but Anthony Miller is not the only wide receiver the who's going to improve. improve. What? Not the only receiver in the NFL. He's not the only player in the NFL who's going to improve. Yeah, I just that's so ridiculous. I, I just do not like it when he's been working hard. Oh, great. No one else has been working hard. That must be, he's so unique. No, what? Right. Everyone's been working hard. Right. Fine. I get that you don't like what I say. He's been having a good training camp. But last year, when he was a wide receiver too, he had 600 yards in six games. Now he's the wide receiver too. He's been reportedly having a very good training camp. Matt Nagy said it's been his best training camp in ever, and he's been one of the stars of the team. Allen Robinson is consistent. The offensive line, they brought in a new offensive line coach, Juan Castillo. He's had three positions. One of them is as offensive line coach. One of them is run game coordinator, and one of them is defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator was just stupid. They put him there, and I don't know why, for like half a year. That's not the point. The point is is that most teams he goes to, he instills a run game. David Montgomery, if the offensive line is going to learn one thing, this was said. How do you know that the offensive line is going to be better this year? They had virtually no improvements. They took two guys in the seventh round which didn't make sense is I think that their offensive line might've been their worst parts of the 2019 season. How do you know that the offensive line is going to improve? I'm not saying that they're going to necessarily improve crazy or even, or even. Oh, how do you know that they're not going to just be the same as they were in 2019? Okay. What I'm saying is they got to answer my question because they got a new coach who instills different stuff and different techniques. They put James Daniels at guard. And Cody Whitehair at center. They, they always switch. That's what I'm saying. I feel no, like they, they are don't. switching. No, they switched in the middle of last year. I feel like they always are switching. I don't know what their positions are. No, I'm not okay, lie. no. 
They're give, always give, switching give, between give, guards. Even last year, James Daniels was center, and Cody Whitehair was um, guard. And I think week 10, they switched. And from that point, both of them had very good seasons. Okay. okay? Bobby Messi and Charles Leno, they're not great. Jermaine Ifedi. Why was, why was David Montgomery bad from week 10 on? I don't know because I don't. I don't. Yeah. Know. Okay. So then, if it's not the problem with the defense, better. I'm not saying that it was the best in the NFL. James Daniels and Cody Whitehair are two young pieces who, with a new coach, can very much develop. Okay. Second of all, I'm going to say this: the Bears' offensive coordinator, the Bears. I mean, not offensive coordinator. The offensive line coach said, "If I teach you guys one thing, it's how to it's how to protect for the run." The Bears are going to run the ball a lot. You know, in 2018, Matt Nagy ran the ball the eighth most in the NFL. And last year, I think it went down to, sorry, let me pull it up. Last year, it went down to 21. Okay. The Bears have reiterated multiple times this offseason that they need to run the ball. Juan Hastillo said, we're not going to succeed if we don't run the ball. The Bears are adamant about running the ball, which not only helps Trubisky or Foles, it helps the offense as a whole. It helps the offensive line. David Montgomery is primed for a breakout year. We told, we both said this in the running back, in the running back episode. Okay. He has the skill. And if they're going to run the ball more, and if they're going to protect better for the run, which Juan Hastillo has been doing for 20 years and been teaching this for 20 years, then I think that they're going to improve the run, which makes Trubisky better in the, in so many different aspects. Okay. Again, about whatever, even if that all happens. So are you like Matt Nagy? We haven't discussed it. Bears will be worse. What will what what could possibly happen that they were worse? It's it's a sign of collapsing. It's a sign eight and eight of the eight and eight season was a sign that something is collapsing. Um, and like I was saying, a lot of the improvements that they made aren't really anything. Um, you see teams that are tanking or doing badly bring in new coaches all the time. That doesn't necessarily mean success, doesn't necessarily mean that everything is going to suddenly improve. I think that I'm very iffy on Matt Nagy as a coach, and of course this season will really prove um, where he's at because if he goes, you know, if the bears have a losing record or a very bad record, then he's on the hot seat. Um, you know, I was originally all in on him in 2018. He was so creative. He won coach of the year, uh, 2019. He was terrible. He made some terrible play calling decisions. And right now I do not have enough faith in Matt Nagy, to be honest. I mean, I've said this a lot just on former episodes and everything. Um, I don't know that I trust Matt Nagy with this offense. I think that there's a lot of um, they're not they're not very disciplined. I don't think that they really have an identity. That's a big word that was going around last season. They haven't really found an identity on offense that you know that you're going to get out of the defense. But I'll get to that later. Um, so, like I was saying, I think that the 12 and four season could very well be a flash in a pan, as com- uh, as opposed to my previous outlook was that oh the eight and eight season was just them doing badly, and of course everything went wrong the eight and eight season, but I think that things could definitely get worse. Okay. You can look because I think the quarterback competition just causes more, you know, it's not lack of stability going on. Um, I don't trust, like I was saying, Nagy tried to run a lot. He, I don't know. I just don't trust him as a play caller yet. He made a lot of bad questionable calls. Okay. He made questionable calls and I'm not excusing those few stupid calls that he made. Okay. But Matt Nagy's offense, like I said again, is run by tight ends. It is. Matt Nagy, I, I, I don't. Okay. Episode, and Matt Nagy can do very little. His offense is closed without any tight ends. It's obsolete. Okay. And with okay, well, also, you don't know that you got Jimmy Graham and you got uh, 
uh, a veteran, and I, and I do think that Jimmy Graham is looking good in training camp, but you got a veteran and a rookie right now, uh, like a, a veteran who's kind of washed and a rookie. So you're, you're acting like they have some insane acquisition right now. I think that both of them do have good potential, but what I'm, what I'm going to say is, is that the Bears top tight end had 93 yards, and I think they had 180 altogether. I don't care if Jimmy Graham and if Kukmet ends up being below average and Jimmy Graham is a bad signing, the Bears improved at tight end, period. There's no way that the Bears are worse. Even if those acquisitions become terrible, which I very much doubt, it's just, it's still 10 times better than what they have uh, now. And I had something else. Oh, yeah. Matt Nagy is a guy who, he's come from the West Coast system. I think he's a guy who his ultimate goal and his goal in 2019 was to shift the Bears to a more pass-friendly offense. And this is another reason that I don't trust Nagy. I think in 2018, Nagy was coming to, and this is all just my interpretation, so you know, feel free to rebut or whatever if you've got something to prove me wrong, but 2018, Nagy's coming to the Bears. He's not ready to go full-on adjusting to the system. So he comes on, and he, he leads Trubisky in. He gives him very easy throws. Um, he kind of babies him, and that leads to a lot of success. They go 12-4. and four. Now, the next season, Trubisky, I mean, uh, Coach Matt Nagy believes that Trubisky is ready for a higher step in the offense. He wants to make Trubisky the central part of this offense, which was his fatal mistake. Um, he's making Trubisky throw 40 times a game because um, Matt Nagy, um, and this is the point I'm trying to get to here. Matt Nagy, I don't think knows his personnel very well. I don't think, I'm not sure that he's a coach who can adjust to his personnel that much. And although I do, I can take Matt Nagy's word that they're going to run the ball a lot more. Uh, that's definitely not his strong suit. And I think that his initial plan was to have a great passing offense. So if he's forced to run the ball a lot, I don't know if I trust him as a play caller when he, you know, he has, he doesn't have a lot of faith in the passing system. And then he doesn't, you know, I don't know if I trust him that much as a play caller, if he's forced to do something that he's not comfortable with because Trubisky is not a capable enough quarterback or Nick Foles. So I'm just going to say something. Mm -hmm. If you have one really good team, and one really bad team, which, and you, let's say 2018, right? Let's say Matt Nagy was scheming completely different than what his scheme is. In 2019, he went back to his scheme. What do you think he's going to look back at it and say, 2019 was successful. I want to go back to that scheme or 2018 and say, that was what went well. I want to go back to that. No, I understand. Yeah. But uh, what I'm trying to say here, I don't, I don't anticipate that Trubisky will be throwing 40 passes like he was last year. I anticipate that they might run the ball a lot more, but the point I was trying to make was that that's not Nagy's strong suit. He would still, I'm guessing that Nagy would still rather um, pass 40, have a guy who's passing 40 times if he has a capable quarterback. And I appreciate Nagy for recognizing that Trubisky isn't that capable of a quarterback, but now that uh, he's not able to scheme for that, I don't trust uh, his play calling ability when he's not comfortable, which is with the run. Okay, well, literally, he was not comfortable in 2018. That's the argument you made. And they were literally better by mile than in 2019. You said that Matt Nagy wasn't comfortable enough to call his own plays. And he he called specific plays that were short mm -hmm. passes in this. And the Bears offense was 16th in the NFL. The Bears the offense went to 29 when he tried to scheme like this. Uh, also, I think the 2018 Bears defense was significantly better than the 2020 Bears defense. I mean, we can... I can argue against that. But okay, well, you want to move to the defense? No, let's finish on the offense. Okay. Bears offense has improved in every aspect. I don't, again, I don't agree with that. 
So where did they I not? Don't agree. I told you, I went over each aspect. First of all, we haven't touched on wide receivers. I'll get to that. Um, quarterback, there can be more scrutiny. I mean, and just because you improve on every aspect doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to be a better team because it doesn't like it, improving at each position doesn't necessarily correlate to good chemistry. And there are other factors that come into consideration rather than roster alone, but this bears offensive roster isn't even that great. Um, like I said, uh, the bears at quarterback, there's a lot of, there are questions um, and that could cause a lot of drama. Um, the tight ends. I mean, I like the tight ends, I guess my main concern with the bears offense is Nagy. Cause I really don't trust him. And I think that they could collapse. Um, and the offensive line, I don't have that much of a reason to believe that they'll be like 2018 rather than 2019. All I'm going to say is, is that the Bears, Matt they really Nagy, haven't improved it offensive line. You would say the coach, but every team gets a new coach and they, and they're not every position improves every year. Okay. Well, I'm not saying that they're going to go from 24 to. I'm not saying that either, but I'm just saying, why can't they just stay the same? They change virtually nothing on their offensive line. They change a complete scheme. Every single thing that they're doing is different. Their offensive line is totally different. Yeah, scheme. but what, what if it's just the players? What? But then why were they so good in 2018? Did they have a different? Did they have a different coach in 2018 than 2019? No, they had the same coach in 2018 and 2019. Then what changed from 2018 to 2019 on the offensive line? What changed? Yep. They just got a bit cocky. They they messed around with the offensive line. They put Daniels and White hair around. They tried. They they. First of all, Kyle Long got hurt. All right. Yeah. So they started a. Rashad. Oh, so Kyle Long's not on this offensive line in 2020 either, huh? Yeah, but they signed Jermaine Effetti. Yeah, but Jermaine Effetti isn't Kyle Long. Okay, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does because Kyle Long might have been the missing piece in 2018. And I think Kyle Long, was Kyle Long was injured from week eight to week 17 in 2018, and they were perfectly fine without him. I don't know. Who was there? Who was their guy instead of Kyle Long? It was like Brian Whitman, who was pretty good actually. Okay. All right. My point to you is is that the Bears, in my opinion, upgraded in most positions. Maybe not by a huge mile in some, and maybe by a huge mile in others. But the competition most likely will be a positive rather than a negative. Look at the Titans, Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. I'm not saying that Foles is Tannehill, but the competition worked out for them. Right, that wasn't and, even supposed to be a competition. They didn't. I mean, they brought in Tannehill as a backup, but then Tannehill just—it wasn't a competition. It was that's they, a difference. They brought in. They brought in a capable backup in case Mariota didn't play well. They didn't bring him in just as a backup. They traded for him in order to have a backup plan in case Mariota didn't play well, yeah. which is what they did with Foles. All right, that ended up working out. The running back position and the run game is going to be greatly improved. Like we said, running the ball is huge. In football, all right? The Bears' offensive line, they can be bad at pass protection. Fine. But you're not, don't argue that they're going to be bad with, in run protection because that has been very clear that that okay. is. Okay. Matt Nagy says, my number one focus is, is making, before the 2018, 2019 season, Matt Nagy says, my number one focus is improving Trubisky. So are you going to say Trubisky is going to be great this in, 28, in 2019? Because how did that work out? Just because a guy says, my number one focus is run blocking doesn't mean that it's saying there's a difference between saying and doing is what I'm saying. Number one priority was improving Trubisky. And he tried to do that. 
the Bears are going to try to run the ball. And the difference is, is that... Yeah, but that doesn't automatically mean that they're running. Just because a coach says something, just because a, co- a coach says our number one priority is getting to the Super Bowl. Okay, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But what my point here is, just because a coach says something is their priority and that they want to focus on it, doesn't mean that it's suddenly going to be fixed. Okay, but the difference between Trubisky and Montgomery is, you know Montgomery is a skilled running back who when given the opportunities will prove to everyone that he's good because you made that argument two months ago. And I think that, you know, deep down, even though, yeah, you don't- no, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying anything about Montgomery. I love Montgomery as a running back, but so- I, I have no reason to believe why did Montgomery do badly last year? Cause of a bad offensive line. I have a no, I have no reason. They were 21st in handoffs last year. Matt Nagy has said he wants to run the ball more. Yeah, but also when he did give handoffs, it was to a bad offensive line. It was to a bad scheme. And I have no reason to believe that that scheme is going to improve in 20. 20- 20. Benjamin, when the Bears handed the ball off 15 times or more, the Bears went five and one. When the Bear when when Montgomery rushed for 60 yards or what more, games, what, what, games are those? What, what games are those? What games are those? Okay. Um 67 yards against the Redskins, 21 handoffs, 53 yards against the Vikings. Well, okay, the Redskins game, first of all, that was totally a passing game that had nothing to do with Montgomery. It was just because they were chewing out clock at the end of the game. Go ahead. Chargers game is the only one that they lost, and that was a game losing kick. And I'm not saying that that's excusable. What I'm saying is, is it wasn't like it was like some terrible loss that they lost. It was a close game that the Bears should have won, if not for Pinheiro. And Montgomery had 27 rushes for 135 yards and one touchdown. Okay. Um, against, against the Lions, he had 17 rushes for 60 yards. Against the Lions, again, 16 rushes, 75. Cowboys, 20 rushes, 86 yards. And Vikings last week, 23 touchdowns and 113 yards. So the Bears succeed when they run the ball. The Bears are adamant about running the ball. When Montgomery gets good rushes, the Bears win games. So if they're prioritizing the run and they're going to run the ball so much, and they clearly do better when they run the ball, don't you think that's a positive? Fine, but I, I'm i not talking about Montgomery. I'm just saying I don't know if the offensive line is going to improve. They it doesn't didn't matter if the offensive – if they stay the same, the Bears still did well with that same offensive line last year when they ran the ball that specific amount of time. Okay. And that's, okay. that's, that's, that's worst case. Now on to the defense, onto the defense. All right. I think that the bears defense, I'm not necessarily going to say that they're going to be exactly like they were in 2018 directly. Like they were in 2018. Because that's very hard to replicate, but they, I think on paper, they have a better team now than in 2018. No, you don't okay. think. Let so. me say a few things. Um, Sarah, unless do you want to go first? Um, okay. They lost Eddie Goldman. Bad loss. But you want to hear something I heard? What? You know how many snaps he played? What the percentage of the snaps he played last year? What percentage of the snaps did he play? 40. He's a big part of their defense, but he played 40% of the snaps. Who else was in? It was Robertson Harris, Bilal Nichols. I think they had, I, I don't remember who else, but they had a rotation of players. They would yeah, play. and the Bears did badly last year. How many percent of the snaps was he in in 2018? I don't remember. I just looked up. Yeah, you should, you should get that. So then it just proves that maybe. I mean, I'm not saying he's directly attributed, but that's so bad because they did badly last year. So what does that prove? My point to you is that if you argue he's a huge part of this defense, he's not. And what I'm trying to say to you is that yes, I- he is. And you know, he's a big part of the defense. You can't take one stat and suddenly shift your opinion. We were both singing his praises for three straight episodes. No, he's a great player. I shouldn't have said he's not a great player. That's not what I meant. He is a great player, but his loss might be a bit overrated to people and especially Bears fans, when they truly consider it. Eddie Goldman is a run stopper and a nose tackle who's very good at his position, if not one of the best at his position. But the Bears can can easily be successful without him. 
Okay, also, before I get into the defense, I think my main concern isn't with the players themselves, and this is an argument that I'm going to be making. It's with the culture going on in the Bears' uh, team and their identity, like I was saying. This is hard to rebut because this is just something that I believe, but I don't right now I don't think that the Chicago Bears have much of an identity. I haven't seen enough to, uh, to have absolute faith in Matt Nagy. Um, their Bears defense I, I look at this Bears team and I don't see – I don't see unity yet. And I don't, uh, maybe a few games in uh, my mind will be changed. I mean, I definitely see potential in a lot of the players and my problem normally really isn't with the players for the most part. Um, I think there are some holes on their team, which I'll get to, but for the most part, I think it's more of like a culture thing and an atmosphere and something and coaching. I think that culture might be the worst word for you to use. The bears have an amazing culture. The bears, one thing that the bears have really tried to do is bring in good players who are going to only benefit to the culture, right? Oh. They are incredibly motivated. You know, today I went onto Eddie Jackson's Twitter. You know what it says on the bottom? What? Revenge. He put that there. Okay. To the Vikings. Uh, let me read you a quote from Eddie Jackson. This was before the 2019 season. Eddie Jackson said, our goal right now for defense is to be the number one across the board. Like I told them earlier, shout out to the 85 Bears, but we want to top everything they've done. Okay. Like Eddie Jackson was super motivated in 2019. And okay. what happened there, Oren? Okay. My point to you is that even though they were incredibly motivated, culture isn't something you take away. They were a top five defense last year. They were not top five. What do you think they were? Top, they were six at worst. Put all their stats together, they were top six or seven defense. I'm looking right? it up right now. You can keep talking. Right? And their offense, like I argued, is going to improve, right? So that immediately makes their Bears defense. are four. Bears are four last year. Okay, four, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say that even last year they said they wanted to be number one, and they were four, right? Yeah, but last year they also lost players between this year and last year. Yeah, but they gained players. Okay, right. Hit. They gained. They did gain. Quinn. Those are probably the two most important I, acquisitions. Yeah, they, but I don't feel – okay, first of all, uh, the defensive line was never the, the true issue here. I think Akeem Hicks yeah, was. Great. Listen, that I think Akeem Hicks Hicks got hurt. It was the true issue. Khalil no, Mack- I mean, the true issue that I'm talking about, he, they're not the main holes that I think are on this team or on this defense. I think Akeem Hicks, the addition of him is great. I'm not going to deny that. I think Robert Quinn could be a very dangerous threat. He has a high upside, but I think he has a low floor in that. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to totally work in the system, uh, the place where he has the most success, like on the Cowboys, runs a different defense. I think they have a 4-3. Benjamin, I know this is stupid, but the Bears did admit that they were, I think, changing their scheme, that they were changing a scheme in order to fit Robert Quinn. And I know they're going to have him in only. So first of all, you know, we could talk about um, bad spending. They said that they're going to have him only in as a pass rusher because that's what they like him in as most. So, I mean, I like he's an added threat, yes, um, but – you know, maybe they could have spent their money more wisely, but that's not even what I hate most about this defense or what I'm scared for most. It's the secondary, clearly. You know, I'm not I'm not denying I love Kyle Fuller and Andy Jackson, but then from there, I'm scared. Dalen Johnson, he's a rookie cornerback. Um, he has a lot of potential. He's, he's good, but they have very little depth at cornerback. And as for safety, Deshaun Gibson is old. I know you said he had a good season last year, but I don't have that much faith in Deshaun Gibson, to be honest. And I... Don't think that they, I think that they have, they are lacking depth in their secondary. All right. So let me tell you a few things. First of all, what I expected before today was that they would have Buster Screen at the number two. 
because their new defense doesn't need a nickel cornerback that much. All right. Okay. So let's say worst case scenario, Jalen Johnson plays poorly and they put in Buster Screen. Buster Screen is a solid veteran who you know what you're getting from him. All right. He might not be the best, but I think he's equal to Prince of Mukamara. And that's worst case scenario. Best case scenario is Jalen Johnson proves himself and does well. All right. I don't think Bust- Buster Screen is not equal to Prince Mukamara. I think so. If Buster Screen was equal to Prince of Mukamara, then he would have been starting the same amount, or he would have been involved way more in the offense, in the defense, than he was last year. Oh, because Buster Screen last year in their defense, they needed a nickel cornerback, and Buster Screen is a nickel cornerback. He's a slot cornerback. Slot cornerback, exactly. That's what I meant. Not uh, but is he? A, how do you know he's he's? I mean, he's, he's a slot quarterback for a reason. How do you know that he's going to be good not as a slot quarterback? He played in slot and as a cornerback, too. But Mukamara has never played as a slot cornerback. That's what they kept the Mukamara at cornerback, too. Okay, but how was he when he was a normal quarterback, too? It was like three years ago. I don't really remember. Okay. I think he was solid. My point, too, is that, all right, let's compare them to last year's defense. Akeem Hicks is coming back, and they got Robert Quinn, Right. When Akeem Hicks was in, Khalil Mack had, for the first four, I think it was four weeks, Khalil Mack had a 16% um, win rate. It went down to 8% when Khalil Mack was gone. Well, I mean, when Akeem Hicks was gone. They get Akeem Hicks back. That elevates Khalil Mack. Akeem Hicks is back. Now they have Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn had 11 sacks last year. And he might not fit their scheme amazingly, but they changed it up for him. I think that they're going to adjust their scheme like they did for him. Now you look at the in linebackers. Robert Roquan Smith started went after. Remember how he had a few? He had the first game he was pretty good, and then he had that weird thing that happened. He missed that game, right, because of some personal issue, right? Yeah. All right, and then he played very well from like week six till week till week fourteen, where he hurt his collarbone and hurt himself, and it was out for the year. Against the Lions, he had fifteen tackles, one and a half sacks. It was one of the best games by any Bears defender, and he had the game-winning game, the game-saving sack against the Lions. He got better and better as the year went on. Right, mm-hmm. that whole offseason, the Bears have been raving about him. He's young, he has great potential, and I think this is the year he breaks out. All right, mm-hmm. so improved Roquan Smith, improved defensive line, improved outside linebackers. All right, now strong safety. Hawkland Dix is better than Tashawn Gibson. All right. Yep. Deshaun Gibson fits the scheme better than Hockland Index. Why? Why? Because, because he's Hockland a less talented is, player. Okay. Hockland Index is a free safety. Deshaun Gibson plays both. He's played both. Last year he played strong safety and was successful. Very successful. All right. Deshaun Gibson might not, might be worse and might get a few wor- a bit worse stats than Hockland Index, but that'll elevate the game of Eddie Jackson because Eddie Jackson can roam around the off the the roam around the defense, right? Mm-hmm. So now I explained to you every position and why almost every position has the potential to break out. And now am I going to say every position does well? If yes. Every, if every position does well, the Bears will have the best, one of the best defenses ever. But that's not going to happen. These are all what ifs. But I don't like the what ifs. That's but relevant. I can give you a what if for every single team. But okay, if you don't but think it's possible, think, then you should let your what ifs. Okay, your what ifs are literally like what if their a defense stays the same? It's the same thing. But the Bears' defense, I'm saying what if Akeem Hicks comes back and Khalil Mack does well? I'm bringing facts for that, and I'm saying what if that happens? But it's most likely going to happen. Most of the stuff I'm saying is bought, is, is, has facts behind them. 
I'm not just saying this and making it un- improbable. I'm not saying Anthony Miller is going to get 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying um, I'm not saying um, Roquan Smith is going to be a defensive MVP. I'm saying that because with my stats, I am proving to you that most of these things are likely to happen. I'm not saying all of them are going to, because if all of them happen, then that would be great. But if most of them happen, then their defense is pretty much back to where they were in 2018. Maybe even better. And the Bears defense doesn't even need to be like they were in 2018. I'm not having them going 12 and four. And they're going 11 and five. And I could see them going 10 and six. All right. They don't need to be where they were in 2018, but they have the potential to be. They have the players to be. They have the skill to be. Okay. I don't know. Long story short, my focus on why I think the Bears will do badly, maybe not culture, just um, Matt, Coach Matt Nagy, like I've said, I don't have a lot of faith in him. And I, there's not any reason for me to believe that they will be more similar to the 12 and 4 season than the 8 and 8 season. Um, they've had a lot of problems, and I don't think that all of them will be in, immediately solved um, for reasons that we discussed. I'm not going to get too in depth on the defense because I do like their defense, of course, and that's not the real problem here. But I think that the cherry on top for why this season could crumble is that uh, the defense, in my opinion, at least is not what it used to be. It's got a few holes that could be exploited. Um, And yeah, those are my final thoughts on the team. I think that that might do it for the episode. Um, And as for special teams, I don't know. I don't know. Pat O'Donnell is the greatest. Yeah. Um, Pinheiro might, whatever it's, I don't know what will happen. They might, they might lose a few games on Pinheiro as well. Yeah. I'm surprised. I, I think that it's good news that they that they kept Pinheiro on their team, but I also think, of course, it's yeah, of course they're going to keep him on their team. No, but I, those... I think it, it's, I don't know. I hope he's ready to play. I mean, I, Cairo Santos went and he kicked good field goal. He like, made field goals, but that really doesn't mean anything. I mean, like, yeah, uh, there you go. The training camp does not matter. I don't know. All right. Anyway, they're down. Tell us, tell us if you like the episode. More Bears and NFL content coming soon, hopefully, and goodbye. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this episode of From the Den, please remember to comment or leave a review depending on your listening platform. Or if you're a Packers fan, remember to write some nasty reviews and comments. Thanks for listening, and bear down. Uh.